Hi, this is Yvette. Hi, this is Sharon. And you're listening to The Equity Umbrella. Today, during this recording, it is May 25th, the day following another mass school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Here's what we know. It occurred at Robb Elementary School. The casualties include 19 students between 8 and 10 years old, as well as two teachers. The perpetrator is an 18-year-old former student of the local high school. His motivation is currently unclear, and an investigation is still underway. At this time, I'd like to invite you to share a moment of silence with us to honor and remember the victims of this tragedy. We had originally planned to record about the importance of social emotional learning, or SEL, but as educators, we can't ignore this weight of another mass shooting, uh, another mass school shooting that we are facing. And we also want to acknowledge that SEL, social emotional learning, is a crucial component of how we build resiliency for ourselves and for our school community. Um, and so now I'd like to introduce Evelyn Diaz, our MTSS advisor for the Huntington Park Community of Schools. She's here today as my resident source of social emotional learning or SEL information and practice. Welcome, Evelyn. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Um, and thank you for slowing down and taking some time to acknowledge what's been going on these past few days. Yeah, so you shared a very poignant quote with me earlier. Um, will you share that with our listeners? Sure, so it's something that I came across on Instagram and it reads, to ask teachers to be on the front line of a mass shooting, the front line of a pandemic, and the front line of the struggle against inequality, all while underpaying them and systematically underfunding the education system is both cruel and a recipe for societal collapse. What comes to your mind, Sharon, as you hear that? Mm. I guess it's helping, it's making me think about just beyond even what we're facing today, the mass shooting, but thinking about like, just when I hear this quote, I'm seeing images of just the past few years, um, even the pandemic, all that we have asked our teachers to do, all that our teachers had to endure and persevere through in being there for our students. So the reason why it stood out to me, right, like it kind of outlines all the heaviness and the responsibility that teachers have to carry within all the different contexts that come across, right, like what's going on, like current events. And, and you're right, right, like how that contributes and how that's contributing right now to all the burnout that's happening. Yeah, and I can't even help but think about an additional layer, like when you work at a school that has a population of students who have a lot of challenges, maybe who live in poverty or who experience lots of violence, you know, we know those kids bring with them trauma. And then because school is a safe place, they act out. Um, and then teachers absorb that secondary trauma. And so even another layer of like school shootings, pandemic, um, what was the third thing that was in the quote? It was... Struggle against inequality. Struggle against inequality. In addition to absorbing the secondary trauma, like what are we really asking of our teachers? What are we requiring of them? The other thing that comes to mind is how much they've had to adapt 
Mm. Right? Like it's not just the level of responsibility, but adapting quickly to these situations, right? And and being very ready. Mm. Be ready for students. Yeah, it's yeah. making me think about who we ask our teachers to be. By we I'm talking about sure there are these district mandates and so forth, but even just circumstances, right? Um, who we ask our teachers to be, who we need them to be, and it's making me think about how we support them to be who we're asking them to be in their classrooms. Yeah, and I can't help but bring myself to back when I was in the classroom, right? It hasn't been that long. Um, I was at a school that, uh, Gardena High School in 2010, we had a gun discharge on campus and we went into lockdown and it was like, scary a crazy like frenzy of information you know in a high school students have cell phones and so information is coming we hear helicopters all we hear is there's a gun there's a shooting right like we don't know what's happening um, and then putting myself back in that place every time there's a mass shooting and thinking about I love these kids I'm charged to take care of them what happens if it's more serious next time? Not that the one that I experienced wasn't serious, right? We had two kids who were critically injured, um, who survived, thank God. Um, but what if it is um, more, what if there are more victims? What if it is more targeted? What if it's not an accidental, right? Like, what do I do? Do we barricade the door? Do we go out of my neighbor, my teacher's neighbor's classroom? Like all these things come to mind and in the classroom I really ruminated on that over and over and over again imagining all possible scenarios yeah what I would do yeah and so I'm hoping Evelyn can help us um, and help you maybe think about that because I know that I'm not the only one I'm not the only one who sat there and played that out in my mind over and over again. And as this is happening and re-traumatizing us again, um, I'm sure that there's a lot of teachers, right? And even at our level, I think maybe there's a lot of principals and administrators who think like, what happens if this is at my school and all of these teachers are in my care and all of these kids are in my care? How do I keep them safe? What do we do, right? And so um, I wanted Evelyn to hopefully guide us through some strategies to help us care for ourselves. Um, and then we can move in later to how do we talk to students about it and what are some suggestions we have for families. So do you wanna lead us in that, Evelyn? So I think the one of the first strategies that we offer is a check-in, right? Which allows us to connect with ourselves first and foremost and with others. And where we have some time to process where students are, right? We're asking them to stop, pause, and explore and acknowledge their emotions. And so we wanna be mindful whenever we do check-ins, we wanna be mindful of how such students, I'm sorry, so how such events and conversations may trigger students. And we wanna be sensitive to that. And to the varying level of comfort that our students may feel whenever we start to open up these questions. Mm -hmm. Um, so we always want to give them a choice. I'll start with that. And we want to teach them how to say or how to advocate for themselves if they're not willing to share. 
So um, I'm going to pause right there because maybe there are some teachers who we have, we know we have an international following um, and, a, you know, across the country. And so maybe there are teachers who are not familiar with the term check-in. Like, what is a check-in? So checking in in this case as a strategy would be having intentional questions that you're asking your students. It can be done individually, one-on-one, -on -one, or you can you know, ask uh, that question to the whole class. Um, so it depends, but I think the most important part is that you have a question that you're asking students, and again, with the purpose of uh, checking in with themselves and sharing that, communicating that with one another. And so, um, are there guide like is there a framework? Are there guidelines? Like I'm a I'm a brand new teacher. I don't know what check in is. I want to run a check in because this is a heavy topic, and my kids want to talk about it. How like how do I even get started? Yeah, so we are definitely going to be sharing some resources towards the end that can be used for that. But we also wanted to model what a check in would sound like so that you have an idea. And so one of the questions that we can use is, how are you feeling given the current circumstances? And so maybe we can start to share here. Better yet, why don't I ask you that question, right? So, <laughs> you know, I'm going to ask you, Evelyn, and I know you've had a lot on your mind regarding, you know, just everything you've, you know, you've been hearing about regarding the shooting. So I really hope that this can be some time that you can take for yourself to check in with yourself as you share with us. So with that, I'm going to ask the question, how are you feeling given current circumstances? How are you feeling today? I want to say the word that comes to me is overwhelmed, right? Like I show up to work and I have all these responsibilities that I have to feel, but at the same time, there's this event that has affected so many families, right? And it's almost like there's no time to slow down mm. and be able to process what's going on. And so it becomes, you become numb to it. I think we were sharing a little bit about that before, yeah. before today, right? Like how at some point you just start to become numb to it, right? Because you're, almost required to keep going. And, and so I think that's what captures, that's the word that would capture it for me, mm. would be overwhelmed. I'm hearing you explain just different ways that this has been hard for you. So with that, how are you, as you, like you said, you're having to, you know, go along with your job and, you know, get all these things done um, in light of all this, how are you planning to care for yourself? So I think the first thing I need to do is to slow down, right? Like today I came in, we had to do a town hall, right? Yeah. Um, and then moving on to like recording this, right? And I haven't had the chance to just slow down. So I think when I get home, I need to do that, right? Like into process. Because I'm sure that, you know, within the next couple of days, there might be things asked of me, right? 
um, hey, do you have resources for this? Well, you know, do, do you have ideas for that? Um, and so I need to slow down just so I can process. Um, and I would say for me, something that really helps me is like possibly like meditating, like doing some sort of mindfulness practice and probably yoga. Mm. I think that's what would be most helpful for me right now. Will you be able to do one of those today? Yes. Yeah, I'm I think it has to, to be something that we prioritize, right? Like, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, so if we wanted to do check-in with our whole class, we would stop. I used to like to do check-in at the very beginning. Um, we used to use a talking piece. Now, in the era of COVID, probably not a great idea, but the whole idea is everyone gets an opportunity to speak and everyone listens actively. I think Evelyn pointed out earlier that um, not every child has to be speak and not every child or student has to participate, right? This is a particularly sensitive topic. And so, um, Evelyn, you were talking about maybe making arrangements with another teacher. Yeah, so we don't want to, like, like you said, right? Like thinking, I'm thinking of like trauma-informed practices and how we want to always keep environment safe. So for me, I would say, number one, like give a heads up to students. Hey, this is gonna, we're going to be discussing this. If you don't feel like you're ready to share, that's okay, right? And also if you're not ready to listen, that's also okay. So that's when like you would talk to a colleague, right, and say, hey, I'm gonna bring up this topic today. There might be some students that might not be ready to participate or to, or might not be interested in, in hearing that, right? Um, and so is it okay if I send them to your room for this amount of time? And when we are done, we can invite them back. Yeah. Just for mental health purposes. And the same goes for an administrator who might want to do this process during a faculty meeting with their staff, right? We want to make sure that we're taking care of the adults who are taking care of our kids. Mm. Um, and I think all of those same things apply. I think I really want to emphasize, I love that Evelyn mentioned, you know, giving them a choice is important. And I also want to like emphasize the importance of teaching specifically how to communicate that and what to say, especially for our students, because often they don't know how to express that, right? So whether it's, if it's a whole group sharing, you teach them to say, pass, or come back to me later, or um, you know, in an individual setting, you can teach them to say, um, I would like to not share this information, I would like to not share at this time. So I think that is also empowering them, giving them a choice in their own sharing. And then can we also walk our, our listeners through the choice of questions? Those are very intentional mm -hmm. questions. And so um, what went into, or how did, how did you all decide on these questions? I think the first one is, of the, so the first question was, how are you feeling about given the current circumstances, right? And so going back to what a check-in is, is acknowledging those feelings, right? Like, how are you feeling? Allowing them to slow down and check in with themselves. And so I think that's always a first step. Um, and then the second one, how are you planning on caring for yourself, is 
I wouldn't want to leave my students with such heaviness, right? And so I'm thinking you have to model sometimes how to be resilient, right? And so that would be a question that would play into that. Mm. How are you planning on caring for yourself? So as you're feeling, as you're having these emotions, right, what is your plan of action for processing or dealing with them? And so that was my thought process. So if I'm a principal running this check-in with my staff or I'm a teacher running this check-in with my students, what happens or what should I do if somebody in my circle gets really emotional or seems like they're not okay or even indicates in, in a response that they give that they're not okay? So I think that's one of the reasons why it's important to always have um, support of your colleagues. So I'm thinking in that instance, like letting your PSW know ahead of time, hey, I'm going to have this conversation, right? There might be some students that think that are ready to have the conversation but might be triggered during this time. So, mm. you know, I want to give you a heads up. But also having resources ready to go for, for students, whether they ask for them or not, I think it's important to always provide them that because they might not be ready or, like, open enough to, to say, hey, I need... I need help. I need mm -hmm. help. Or, like, I'm not, I don't know how to deal with this, right? And that's the whole reason why it's important to do check-ins as well, right? So that you can kind of gauge that and see, hey, like, I noticed that you felt this way. Do you need additional support, right? That's when we can come in and say, hey, these are some of the supports we have here at the district, at the school level, right, and connecting them. Yeah, and not to dissuade anyone from doing check-ins. They're an amazing um, way to build community in your classroom, but as a an untrained restorative justice practitioner, I'm kind of just flying by the seat of my pants, I asked a lot of questions early on that seemed benign, um, that seemed like they would be fine, and then did elicit an emotional response from my students. And I didn't even think of like, how should I handle it? I would always check in with the student after, right? Because I, I love them and I cared for them in that way. But I think that's something that we have to be mindful of is when we design the questions, um, could this possibly trigger, right? Could, could this elicit an emotional response that we're not anticipating? I'm also thinking about like emotional, like literacy for everybody. I mean, asking how are you feeling given current circumstances is actually a really difficult question. And even as an adult, I know sometimes I don't even know what I'm feeling, right? Like being aware of one's emotion is actually a, a, something that takes process. So I know especially when we work with children, students, even with adults at times, I often find helpful to use like a chart, right? Or pictures where they can identify which might best resonate with their feeling. So to me, those are kind of like scaffolds. So yet another way to support um, with questioning, intentional questioning. Awesome, and so before we wrap up this like part about check-ins, Evelyn, will you take us through the, the best practices? Sure, so we have a few of them. The first one would be, um, as we mentioned before, to be intentional about designing questions and think about when and how you would like to ask and allow students to respond. 
Um, the next one would be to recommend, highly recommend to collaborate with your colleagues. Again, I mentioned, you know, maybe a neighbor teacher or a PSW. Um, the next one would be to teach expectations on how students can respond when we are having these conversations, right? What are the expectations to create that safe space so, it is, so that they feel comfortable sharing um, and slowing down and processing? And the last one I would say would be to prepare to share resources uh, with students at the end of the check-in uh, to receive further mental health supports such as counseling if they feel like they need it. And so Evelyn, are there any last like tips or strategies that you wanna give our educators about check-in? Not necessarily tips, but I do wanna remind educators to care for themselves, to check in with themselves as they continue to care for their students. Right, and same for administrators, I presume, right? Um, and I hope that our administrators and district leaders really think about how they can care for our teachers and each other and themselves um, because we have a tendency to go on business as usual and it is not business as usual. Thank you for that reminder. So now as we um, wrap up, we want to share just a few guidelines and tips when it comes to talking to our students about these attacks or events, right? So we are sharing some resources in our show notes and just a few reminders I want to um, leave with here, right? Is that, you know, especially with our younger students, oftentimes we know that the teacher is someone they see as a trustworthy source of information. We know that your students will come to you. So thinking about how do you respond, right? How do you respond in a way that you feel comfortable? And we want to encourage you to ask questions to find out what your students already know, right? Again, the older, thinking about the age of our students, our older students may want to know more details. Um, and we also want to really be mindful about sharing, right? Um, and even correcting misunderstandings or uh, misinformation. And last but not least, um, let's also think about you know, holding a community circle, that's always a great way to bring the class together, to have that safe space where everyone will have a chance to speak and listen. And by doing these things, I believe that we are really reassuring our students. Yeah, I think also um, with our little ones, it's important to reassure them that we're doing everything we can mm -hmm. to keep them safe. Um, it can be a really scary time for them when they're hearing things on their news or maybe they're hearing their families talk about um, things that they don't understand and they don't feel comfortable asking about and so just letting them know we never know what's going to happen but as your teacher i'm going to do everything i can to keep you safe your school our principal we are all working together to keep you safe um, because we know that if students don't feel safe they can't learn and with that, I want to offer some suggestions. If your families come to you and they're not sure how to talk to their kids about it, um, our superintendent, Alberto Carvalho, um, did share some tips and strategies in a letter to us today. Um, and so he says the following. He says, have conversations with your children about any worries or concerns they may have as a first step to help them feel safe 
and begin to cope with uh, tragic or disturbing events. Um, he also says to check in with your children and monitor them for any signs of fear or stress. Um, to monitor their conversations, children may overhear conversations and could fill in the gaps, which can lead to further stress. Um, he advises that we be present with our kids, provide extra time, extra attention, extra patience, and an extra hug or a few encouraging words, um, knowing that those go a long way. And then also to seek professional help if our children are feeling overwhelmed. We hope you found this episode helpful. And as we wrap up this episode, we want to remind you to be sure to rate and subscribe on whatever platform that brought you here today. We are available on all major podcast channels, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you have any questions about what we covered in today's episode, please email us at theequityumbrella at gmail.com. We will include the links in our show notes. And as always, we welcome your feedback and ideas for future episodes as well. Please note that all opinions shared in this episode belong solely to each individual and do not necessarily represent the official view of Los Angeles Unified School District. We hope you will join us next time under the Equity Umbrella. Bye for now.